Amen. We serve a great God. Amen. I love that song. Thank you so much for it. I know I tease him every time he sings. I'm like, Lord, why don't I have a deep voice like that? You know, um, but I sure appreciate his willingness to sing. I appreciate everybody being here today and uh, singing. We have something worth singing about. And uh, if you're a child of God today, you have something worth singing about. Um, listen, I, I know we have uh, talked a lot about veterans today, and uh, we, have, uh, we are truly grateful uh, for the sacrifices that you guys make and willing to make being away from family and willing to give of your lives and thanks for the freedom of our country, and we sure appreciate that. But uh, we're going to be in Romans uh, chapter number 1, Romans chapter number 1 this morning. Romans chapter number 1, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God as we read two verses of Scripture. Uh, then we will get into the message this morning. Romans chapter 1, verse number 13 and 14. Actually, we'll read 13, 14, and 15 this morning. In Romans 1, starting verse 13, it said, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. He said, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. The Apostle Paul said a phrase there in verse number 14. He said, I am debtor. I am debtor. And I want to say we are a debtor today. Um, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But uh, I'm going to preach that message to you called, I am, I am a debtor. I am a debtor. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch this morning. Lord, I want to say thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, I can't put into words how grateful I am that you took my place on the cross you died were buried and that you rose again lord so that i could live eternally lord if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as savior i pray they'll trust you today lord may we swallow our pride and our arrogancy thinking that we don't need you and lord i pray that you just show the people in this congregation today how much they need jesus lord if they're not saved they'll get saved if they are saved and they're away from you, Lord. I pray that you draw them back. Lord, I just want to say thank you again for the men and women that have sacrificed of themselves for our freedom. That I can stand up here behind this pulpit at Faith Baptist Church and preach boldly without fear. Lord, that I can just preach because we have the freedom to do so. And I thank you for keeping your hand upon our nation, even though we're so undeserving of it. Lord, we ask you please to be with the remainder of the service, be with uh, junior churches there, uh, having their classes in the nursery, Lord, and uh, in this sanctuary this morning, Lord, may you get the glory and honor of everything that's said and done. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. In Romans, chapter number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, he said, call him to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. I love how he starts this portion of Scripture out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He, allow, he allows us to know that he's nothing but a mere servant. 
See what he says? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Most of us, when we think of the Apostle Paul, other than Jesus Christ, we think of the greatest Christian that ever walked upon the face of the earth. At least I do. I think of a man who was converted on that road to Damascus, how he came face to face with Jesus that day, and how he got saved by the grace of God, just like you and I, and how he turned the world upside down for God. And any one of us would look at the Apostle Paul and we would think, wow, what a great man. What a wonderful person. Look at the, uh, all that Paul did. But Paul's proclaiming here, he said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. You know what he was saying is, it's not about me, it's all about him. He said, what I'm separated unto is I'm separated unto something bigger than myself. I'm separated to the gospel of God. And then he goes on, which he had promised aforetime by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom ye also the called of Jesus Christ, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And, and your faith is spoken of throughout all the world. He was commending them not for how good of people they are. He was commending them for the faith they had in Christ. He was acknowledging that his, his job and his servanthood was to serve the Lord Jesus. And then he commended his brothers and sisters at Rome for their service for God. Verse 9, he said, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making a request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gifts to the end ye may, ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. Now I would not have you ignorant, and we started in our text here. And what he's saying in all of this is that what was bonding them together, what was uh, helping him and, and making him long to be with his brothers and sisters in Christ, and we spoke about this in Sunday school this morning, was in that verse 12 he said, that I may be comforted together with you by a mutual faith, both you and of me. He's saying there's a faith that bonds us together and it's the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, as a church, you know why it's so important for us to come to the house of God and worship God together? is because we're bonded together through a relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get saved by grace, through faith, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, applied to my account and your account, binds us together in a relationship. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And nothing can separate that. The Bible says, neither height nor depth, nor, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Uh, none of those things can separate us from the love of God. 
And the love that God has for you and I ought to be the love that we have one for another. And the Apostle Paul is writing through all of this. And then he goes down to verse 14. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul's talking about a common bond, something that we all ought to understand that we are a debtor for. And that's faith in Jesus Christ. Firstly, I want to talk about when Paul's sitting here, he's talking about being a debtor. And there's something that I want to share with you this morning. And I know we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but if you go back to Matthew chapter number 27, Matthew chapter number 27, flip there in your Bibles, if you would, please, if you have them. We're going to read certain portions of Scripture, and then we'll go through the message for you this morning. Matthew 27. They just gave them, Pilate's just given the people an opportunity to choose between Barabbas and Jesus. He says, you tell me which one of the two you want and I'll release them to you. Verse 21 is where we'll pick up. The governor answered and said unto them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Notice they didn't have any accusation. They couldn't say any reason why. They just said, Crucify him. Verse 24, When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, uh, nothing but... Rather, a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into a common hall and gathered unto him his whole bands of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and when they had plaited a crown of thorns uh, they put it on his head and with a reed in his hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying hail king of the jews and they spit on him and took a reed and smote him on the head and after that they had mocked him they took a robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him and as they came they found a man, Cyrene Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted the garments among them. And upon the vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And they set up over his head an accusation written, 
This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were the two thieves crucified uh, with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they passed, uh, and they pa- they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down and from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in, he trusted in God, let him, deliver himself, let, let him deliver him now. If he will save, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which, cru, which were crucified with him, cast the, cast the same in his teeth. We're going to read down, you can continue to read. And in verse 50, it says this, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. All that Jesus did, we read in this passage of Scripture, to the time, the most important time in Scripture, when Jesus was crucified. And as I think of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we go back to Pilate's words to the people. He said, why? What has he done? For what reason should we crucify him? And they couldn't have a reason because they were the reason. And I was the reason. And you're the reason that Jesus was crucified that day. When he went to the cross and all the mocking and everything that he he had gone through, the world paints a very poor description of what happened to our Savior. When you see the picture of it, and I'm not going to be very graphic today, but they show a picture of just a little trickle of blood coming from his hand and a little trickle of blood coming from his head. And that's not what Jesus did for you and I. What Jesus did for you and I was far greater, far worse than any of that. I want to take a few minutes and paint a little better picture for you, but we're not going to be real graphic. In Isaiah 53, I want you to turn there quickly if you would. Isaiah 53. Starting in verse 1, it says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, yet he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. 
He, was made, uh, he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Listen, I want you to understand firstly today, we're a debt to our Heavenly Father. We're a debtor to our Heavenly Father. When Christ was standing before Pilate and he was questioned and all that, they said, I find no fault in him. Pilate washed his hands and said, I'm, I'm free of the blood of this man. And they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. And I want you to understand, we are the ones that basically, though we weren't there physically in the, in the flesh, we are the ones in our own sin that we put Jesus on the cross. And I want you to understand what he did on that day. He was not deserving of any of it. Uh, all the mocking, all the scourging, all the, uh, the beatings that he took, were uh, everything that he experienced was because of a greater love than you could ever imagine. A love that he had for his creation. A love that he had and a desire that he had to walk with humans. Can you imagine the fact that God, who made Adam in his image, in the image of God, it said that he was created. Man was made perfect. And when man sinned, the Bible said because of one man's sin, sin entered the world and death by sin. So that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And every one of us got to come to the realization that we're sinners. And it's our sin that put Jesus on the cross. And the reason he was dying was because he didn't want us to have to sacrifice lambs every year uh, for the rest of our lives. It's said the lamb of god which taketh away the sin of the world was dying once for all and he's saying listen anybody from this point on i want you to understand that they can uh, be saved not by uh every year of uh, putting faith in something listen when people got saved before jesus died they still got saved the same way you understand by faith Faith in what Jesus was going to do on the cross. And uh, that sacrifice of that lamb was a picture of what Jesus was going to do on the cross. And now as we think about what Jesus did, we don't have to continue to do those kind of things now. Because he died once for all and shed his blood so that we could go to heaven one day. And we owe him a great debt that those of us that are deserving of, of, of death and hell. When the Bible said the wages of sin is death. That was my penalty. That was your penalty because of sin. And that's what you and I deserve. But I stand up here refreshed and renewed today through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I can get excited by the fact that I don't have to spend one second in hell. And I think it's time that God's people quit sitting there like a knot on a log with a poochy lip disease about their life. That they don't have any joy. They don't have any happiness. They can't find any peace in their life. Listen, when you got saved, you had all the love, all the joy, all the peace, all the gentleness, all the goodness, all the faith, all the meekness, all the temperance that you're ever going to get inside of you through the Holy Spirit of God. 
And you can rejoice in the fact today that once we were dead, we can be alive today because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And we owe Him a great debt today. Let's quit sitting around like we don't have anything else to do and understand there's a world that's dying and going to hell. And just as we watched a video of a soldier that's always willing to give of their lives to uh, allow us to be free, there's so many people today, a church, understand, that are bound by their sin. They're not free. Uh, they, they don't have the freedom of salvation in their life and it takes God's people to be a strong soldier for the Lord and understand we owe him a great debt and he's worthy of our service and we need to quit just sitting around saying well God if you want me to do this God wants you to get up and God wants you to serve you don't have to ask him God do you want me to he does want you to he said go ye therefore and teach all nations it's my job it's your job to give the gospel to the lost And in Romans 1, Paul's admonishing this church at Rome as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what he's saying to them? He said, I'm glad that you have faith. I'm excited. I can't wait to see you because of the faith that's in you. Jesus did all of those things, went through all of the stuff. Those nails being driven in his hand, the cat of nine tails that tore his flesh off his body, all the things that he went, the crown of thorns on his head, how those vile soldiers cleared their throat and spit in God's face. All of those things that happened on that day, he did because of you and I. And if you're saved by the grace of God this morning, because of what Jesus did, not only on that cross, but when he was buried and rose again and conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he offered life to you. And that day that you received him as your Savior, you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things were passed away. Behold, all things become new. We have a new life in Christ, and we ought to rejoice in that fact today. We owe him a great debt. When we think about Romans 12, 1, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You say, preacher, why are you being so passionate about this today? Because I'm tired of God's people coming to uh, uh, the church where truth is being presented and the word of God's coming across. And they're saying, well, God, I don't know if that's for me. Listen, living the Christian life is for you. If you're saved today, living the Christian life, Life is for you. It is your reasonable service. Your life is not your own. You're bought with a price. Just as most of us in this room, if we see these soldiers, if they stood up, those that have uh, done things for our country, we will loudly proclaim and say, thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you for your sacrifice for us. I looked at some of the pictures of the men and women who have given their lives, all those caskets with the flags hanging over them, and all of us would shed a tear and say, man, what a joy it is that we have a soldier that died for us so that we have the freedom to worship God the way that we want to worship God. We have the freedom in our country to vote we have the freedom in our country to uh, have a freedom of speech and all of these things why because of people that gave their lives for you and I and that were willing to fight the enemy so that we could be free from a tyrannical government that wanted us to uh, believe in a false doctrine but they said no we want God to be supreme and so they fought for that and we have a country that we can rejoice in but more than that we have a heavenly father that went beyond all of that in our eternity we're destined for hell But God in his great love, wherewith he loved us, was willing to give of his only begotten son Jesus to die on a cross. How dare we sit there and do nothing about it? If the call came that an enemy was attacking America, I dare say we have a lot of men and women, young people in this room today, 
that would stand and answer that call and say, here am I. I'll go. Why? Because there's a cause worth fighting for, isn't there? The freedom that we have in our country. We get excited about that. But I want you to understand there's a heavenly father who has a call for every one of you. And you know what we do? We sit there and we just say, well, God, that's not for me. Listen, if you heard of, you look at any soldier in this room or you heard somebody who maybe dodged a draft or skirted their way out of the military because they didn't want to do it, most of you wouldn't look very highly on them. So why is it that we think it's okay to skate away from our obligation that God's given us here on this, on this earth? See, we got saved by the grace of God. We owe him a great debt. We owe him a debt of our time. God wants time with you. I have a quote in my Bible that said this. We spell love, T-I-M-E. We, we should spend time with God every day. We should talk to him in prayer. We should let him speak to us through his word. Listen, somebody that's done some great things. I love talking to military men and women that have been on the battlefield, that have done different things. I love talking to them about it and thanking them for what they've done. And I, I try to honor them when I can. Why? Because of the sacrifice that they've made. How much more should we offer God that same courtesy? God who took all of our sin upon himself, who died on an old rugged tree and was guilty of nothing. He desires our time. He desires our treasures, the things that we hold dear. If you love God, guess what you're going to give for God? You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You understand, you can give to something that you don't love, but if you love something, you can't love it without giving to it. See, we can give to people that we don't even know. We really don't love them. We don't know them. But you know what? My family, I can't, I can't not give to them. Why? Because I love them. My love for them makes me desire to give to them. And if you really love God, you're going to give yourself to God. See, when God has your heart, when God has everything about you, it's not hard for you to give of your treasures to God because he has you. And we're bought with a price. God wants your time. He wants your treasures. He wants your talents. God has given us all special gifts. We need to use them for his honor and his glory. Some of you have gifts that are musical gifts. You ought to use them for God. Not for yourself. Not to edify you or build yourself up. But for God's glory and God's grace. And I could give a whole list of things that people have that they have. Maybe they're a people person or they can talk. They're very good orators, things like that. You know what our mouths ought to proclaim if we're saved? We ought to proclaim Jesus. You know what I see a pattern in the Apostle Paul's life as we started in Romans chapter 1? What I find a pattern in, in his life was this. Once he got saved, he preached Jesus. He didn't talk about Paul. He didn't talk about all his skills. In fact, he talked about how he was the least among all the apostles. He talked about how Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. He said, but you know what? I labored more abundantly than them all. He said, at the end of his life, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Why could he say all of that? Because it wasn't about him. It was all about God. Listen, we owe our Heavenly Father a great debt today. If you're saved in this room, you owe him a great debt. If you're not saved, guess what? He died for you. He paid the ultimate price so that you could go to heaven. You don't have to try to be good enough. 
and believe Satan's lie that, oh, I got to get rid of this or I got to get rid of that or I got to get rid of this or I got to get rid of that before I can come to Jesus. Listen, your flesh won't let you get rid of sin. It's what Jesus helps you get rid of sin. You come to him and he'll help take care of all the stuff that's in your life if you just give your life to him. You come to God in salvation and let him begin to clean you up because that's when old things can be passed away and all things can become new in Christ Jesus. We're a debtor to our Heavenly Father. We owe Him a great debt. Because of who He is. In Philippians 2 verse 10 it said, Wherefore God also highly exalted Him, given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our glory because of who He is. He's worthy of our praise because of what He did. The sacrifice that he made. And just as I'll stand here and say thank you to every soldier. that's ever It doesn't matter if you ever saw the battlefield or not. Your willingness to sign those papers and go into the military is willing to face battle if it comes. I would say thank you. But more than that, I want to look to God today and say, God, thank you. For loving me even though I was a sinner. And dying for me. So that I didn't have to experience death. But I could have life. And have it more abundantly. Listen we need to get a passion back about our salvation again. It's time for us to quit sitting here in just the humdrum of Christian life. And understand we owe God a great debt. We owe him a great debt. Not only do we owe our heavenly father a great debt. We owe our families a great debt. So what are you talking about? Families are a building block of the church. It's vital to have a good relationship in your home. Look at Colossians chapter number 3. Look at what the Bible says in Colossians 3, starting in verse number 18. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but singleness of heart, fearing God. If you look back verse 18 down through verse number 21, it's talking about family and unity in a family. See, we owe our families a great debt to stay right with God. Dads, I want you to understand something. God made you a leader. It's your responsibility to your family to live right for God. You owe them that. You owe them that. Why? Because God has commanded you to do it. But not just the dads, moms, it's your job as well. Husbands, it's not your job to lord over your wives, it's your job to lead over your wives. What do you say? That means she's lesser of a person? No, it means God's given you the opportunity to lead. And she'll be glad to submit and follow if you'll lead. Why is it that most wives have to take the spiritual stand in the home? Because the men won't do it. We need some men that will stand up and do right. 
We owe our families a great debt. It's vital to have a good relationship at home. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit unto your own husbands. If you read Ephesians and it goes through all of that and it talks about it, it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. See, having that unity in our homes, that, that unity, what bonds us together through it? Christ. Christ. But we're a debtor to our family. You know what? I, I owe my family to stand up for God. I owe my family to allow him to be first place in our home. I owe my wife for me to stand up for God and to do the things for God and to have the right kind of relationship with the Lord in our home. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. I want you to see how important it is to have the right relationship, to have God first in your home. Man, I want you to look at what this verse says in Proverbs 3, or 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3 and verse number 7. Look what it says, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together in the grace of life. Look what it says, that your prayers be not hindered. You want to have a good prayer life? Let God be first in your home. Be the right kind of leader in your family. Love your wives. Lead them for the Lord. It says why? That your prayers be not hindered. Submit yourselves one to another. A poor marriage relationship will hinder your prayer life. Does that mean you're never going to have disagreements? No. But God ought to be first. God ought to be in control. See, we owe God a great debt, but we owe our families a great debt to live for God. We owe a debt to our families to stay right. Listen, parents, if you fall out of the will of God and you get mad at the preacher and you leave the church because you get easily offended, you take your kids with you. You understand that? When you leave and you get all upset and you start bad-mouthing the church and bad-mouthing the preacher and bad-mouthing the Word of God, listen, if God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter what you think. Period. doesn't matter what I think. If God says this is right and this is wrong, God is true and every man's a liar. The word of God is right all the time. But when we get mad and we leave church and we get out of the will of God and we get mad at all these things and we, uh, we take our kids with us and we owe them a debt to stay right. We wonder why we have another generation that's coming up and they don't know God and they don't want to know the things of God. I'll tell you why. It's because those that have uh, the truth of the word of God aren't standing in truth. They're walking in the wickedness of the world. And they want our kids to be multi, uh, multi-diverse. We want them to know what it's like to be in the world. And know what it's like to be in church. Let me tell you something. If they know what's right, they're going to be able to identify what's wrong. You don't have to show them what is wrong to teach them what is right. You teach them what is right and they'll identify what is wrong. I was talking to a banker one day and I asked him have you ever seen did they ever train you with counterfeit money they said nope we were trained with real money because then we could identify the the fake thing when we know what the real thing is that that is fake is easily to spot that's why the bible tells not to be ignorant of satan's devices listen we need to have our families right with god we owe them a debt to stay right kids guess what you owe your parents a great debt you owe your parents a great debt 
Maybe you say, well, I don't have parents. I have grandparents, whatever. The person that raised you, guess what? You owe them a great debt. They've been there for you even before you can remember. They've been there for you since, and taken care of you since you couldn't take care of yourself. It bothers me so much when I hear kids getting disrespectful towards mom and dad, towards grandma and grandpa. And I think, who was it that changed your little diaper growing up? Who was it that fed you when you couldn't feed yourself? Who was it that clothed you, sat up with you all night long when you were sick? Who was it that was beside you all those times? It was mom, it was dad, it was grandma, it was grandpa. Guess what, young person? You owe them a great debt to stay right and to be respectful and to do the right thing. They cleaned up after you, made sure that you had all you needed to make it. The fact that you're here today is a testimony that somebody's taking care of you. And guess what? You owe them a great debt. You ought to lift up your parents in honor and praise. You say, well, you don't understand the kind of family I grew up in. Listen, you ought to rejoice in the fact that Jesus found you one day. You may have had a rough home. You may have came from a broken family, a broken life. But guess what? You can rejoice in the fact that you have Jesus and you have a, a church family that maybe helped you and brought you up. Guess what? You owe them a great debt. You owe them a debt. We owe a debt to our Heavenly Father. We owe a debt to our families. We owe a debt to our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse number 17. It says, Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. Now the God of peace... That brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work, to do his will, according, uh, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, though Jesus Christ, uh, through Jesus Christ, to, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, we owe a debt to our brothers and sisters in Christ. As a pastor, guess what? I owe you a debt for me to stay right. You understand, it says, obey them that have rule over you, for they watch for your soul, submitting to them, all of those things. You teachers, preachers, people in leadership, understand, we owe those that are listening to us as we teach the word of God, we owe them a great debt to stay right. We owe them a debt to stay right. There's a lot of teachers out there, false teachers and false preachers, and there's people that have itching ears, wanting to know uh, all the juicy stuff that's going on around them when they need truth. They need truth. Listen, if you want to have a feel-good type religion, you can go anywhere and find that. But you want to have the truth, you, it's few and far between to find it. You know what? The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You owe your friend a great debt to stay right. Just as you soldiers did everything you could do to make sure your comrade was safe. Guess what? It's our job to make sure that we're walking in such a way that that person beside us, we can encourage them in the right things to do the right thing for the Lord. We must stay right for our brethren. We can't afford to give up. 
If we do give up, it might cost us our church. If we do give up, it might cost us our family. If we do give up, it might cost us our freedom to serve the Lord. But it's time for God's people who are called by His name to humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked way that God can hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. You might say, well, my sin won't affect anyone but me. Tell that to Achan. Read Joshua chapter 7 when Achan's sin affected his friends. They died against the battle of Ai. Small little battle, but they died. Why? Because Achan disobeyed God. Listen, I owe my friends a great debt to stay right with God. And you owe your friends a debt to stay right with God. Look at Psalm 16, if you would, please. Psalm 16 and verse 6 says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I have a goodly heritage. Not only do we owe our Heavenly Father a great debt. Listen, you would be on your way to hell without Him. You'd be on your way to hell without Him. You owe God a great debt. Families, you owe your family a debt to stay right. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we owe each other a great debt to stay right. And we can encourage and help lift one another up. But we owe a debt to our forefathers. Said so that we have a goodly heritage. There were a lot of people who fought to make us free. Some of our forefathers what did what they could do to make America a nation under God. They did everything they could do. They spilled their own blood so that we could have the freedom to say we are one nation under God. We owe a debt to keep it that way. One nation under God. We owe our Baptist heritage a debt to keep the pulpits hot. To preach the truth. To do what's right. There's many people that have stood behind pulpits like this and preached the truth that are no longer on the scenes. And those lines are falling in front of us. But it's time for that baton to be passed to us. And us to boldly proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. We need to have more people that will stand with a backbone for the Lord and declare that we're going to take America back for God. We're going to do what's right. Not only are we going to just uh, rejoice in those that are willing to sacrifice themselves for the freedoms that we have, but we're going to stand up for the greatest soldier, the one who walked on this earth sinless, died on an old rugged cross. And listen, if this doesn't motivate you to go forward, you need to check your salvation. Listen, I don't know your heart, but the fact of the matter is we owe Christ a great debt today. Will you serve him? The lines are falling in front of us. Listen, there's there's very few that are still wanting to preach truth. You go all over the place and you look around and man, all they're trying to do is entertain. And the gospel's not anywhere around. Seems like the power of God left there a long time ago. But anyone that will boldly proclaim this book, those are the ones that we need to join up with and say, thus saith the Lord. Listen, we need to boldly proclaim it. We owe our forefathers a great debt. I'm, I'm glad for those that have fought for the cause of freedom. But I'm glad for those that have given of their lives for 
this book and the freedoms that we have to read it and the martyrs that we know about that have uh, given their all for the cause of Christ. Listen, we owe them a great debt to keep that heritage going. We have a younger generation that needs us to do right. Listen, we're debtors today. Paul said, I'm a debtor, both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, we're a debtor to God. We owe Him a great debt. We're a debtor to our families, we're a debtor to our friends, and we're a debtor to our forefathers. What kind of soldier are you? Are you one that's willing to make the sacrifice, to do what you got to do for God? With our heads bowed and eyes closed,